The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What's keeping you from being the best you can be? Whatever the issue, you can clear that obstacle and come out swinging. Welcome to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. On today's show, we will feature guest experts who can bring you the tools and ideas that you need to take the next step to your personal success. Now, here is Dr. Linda Sanicola. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Today, we're going to be talking about the difficult topics of addiction, trauma, and stress. For those of us in the talk therapy business, these issues and these symptoms have been difficult and very time-consuming to treat. Overall, I think the therapeutic community at large is only recently beginning to understand the degree to which trauma may underlie many mental health problems. And these problems are way more common than most realize. It turns out that two-thirds of the world's population is exposed to traumatic events, with 8% of those developing PTSD. And we also know that many, many of us have some degree of childhood trauma, which stays with us. Trauma and its consequences are huge problems for us as a population and lead to a great deal of suffering on the individual level. Today, my guest is Saj Razvi, and he will be sharing with us some of the newest and most effective treatments for trauma and trauma-based mental health problems, such as addiction. Let me tell you a little bit about Saj. He is the executive director of the Trauma Recovery Institute and leads body-based trauma education programs for therapists and medical professionals as a trauma recovery protocol instructor. He's a national topic expert expert and speaker for PESI education, focusing on complex PTSD. He is also one of the co-investigators of the FDA study of MDMA-assisted psychotherapy for treatment-resistant PTSD, which is in its phase two trials in Boulder, Colorado. Lastly, Saj runs the trauma education programs at the University of Colorado's Cedar Addiction Center. Saj is also co-author of a soon-to-be-released manual for therapists that is based on the Trauma Recovery Protocol Training Manual. And prior to becoming a psychotherapist, Saj worked as a consultant for IBM. He has graduate degrees in both counseling psychology from Naropa University and Eastern Civilization Studies from St. John's College. Welcome, Saj. Hi, Linda. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for making time with us with your busy schedule. You also have a private practice, don't you? I do, yes. Yeah, you're, you're a, a busy man. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, um, yeah. uh, trauma is uh, a hot topic these days, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. it sure is. So um, if, we, if we take a look at the whole issue of trauma, why, why focus on trauma? Why do you think that that is important? 
Well, great question, um, and it's sort of um, you know when we're when we're talking about this, this is sort of the main thing that we have to establish beforehand because I think a common misconception about trauma is that you have to be a soldier in war, uh, you have to have you know faced ho- horrible things, you you have to lose an arm or something like that to be traumatized. Mm-hmm. And what we're finding out from the research is that's not the case. Um, mm-hmm. I can tell you that uh, my practice is exclusively people with trauma, um, stress issues, and PTSD. And I don't see, I don't, I don't have any veterans in my practice um, right oh. now. Um, which is to say that most of, I, I, I guess one other way of answering this is to say that most of what causes people to enter into psychotherapy um, you know, outside of organic brain illness or um, biochemical imbalances, th- those types of things, is um, trauma-related. Um, mm-hmm. We, we uh, you know, the, the research statistics that you cited early on uh, are, are, are accurate. And two-thirds of the world's population is exposed to at least one traumatic event that meet, meets the DSM uh, criteria for PTSD. And um, according to the National Center for PTSD, 61% of men in this country and 51% of women um, uh, meet that criteria as well. Wow, that's yeah. huge. That's huge. It's a lot of people. It's, it's a, lot a lot of people. Of people. And yeah. There's uh, um, there's uh, also a study that's actually being run in uh, your neck of the woods in Southern California. It's mm-hmm. called the ACE study, and it, it stands for Adverse Childhood Experience. And um, it's sort of the, the largest study of its kind. It's the gold standard of research that's being done today. It started in 1998. It's a uh, longitudinal study. And uh, it's, it's a collaboration between the Center for Disease Control and Kaiser. And they set out to answer one question, which was, um, is there a relationship between sort of the, the things that the adverse childhood experiences that we have, i.e. childhood trauma, and our adult mental health processes, our adult physical health processes. And what they found was an un, unequivocal yes, mm-hmm. right? which, which is to say that, um, you know, for people who report uh, one, two, three, four, five, six events in their childhood that would qualify as childhood trauma, um, then you, you see a corresponding bump up in things like um, cancer, uh, uh, obesity, um, uh, lung cancer, um, skeletal fractures, uh, diabetes. Um, and wow, the whole spectrum, almost yeah. Yeah, anything, exactly. it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I find that fascinating. I think that that study was like something like 17,000 people participate. Is that Yeah, accurate? yeah. It's yeah. A, it's uh-huh. the, the sample size was 17,000 plus. So. Yeah, um, and people can go um, look at that uh, the the ACE questionnaire. I believe can if it's is it acestudy.org? dot org. Yeah, acestudy yeah. dot org, and they have a lot of write ups. There are about um, fifty journal articles that have been published based on the research from from that uh, from that study alone, and it's you know being published in places like JAMA and, and that kind of thing. So you can find it sort of all over the place. But acestudy.org is sort of where they've uh, – it's a good site for it. I think that it's it's fascinating to really just take a look at it to see where you may be on that scale because my experience has been – Saj, I don't know if, if this has happened in your practice as well. But my experience has been that a lot of times people don't know they were traumatized, mm-hmm. especially as children. 
Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That's uh, truer words have never been spoken. Um, right. uh, and, and it's primarily because we don't have, you know, especially when we're talking about childhood trauma, um, we, we don't have a baseline. Many people that, that I work with don't have a sense of what life was like before the trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if, if you are... Um, if you have what we call a single event traumatic, a single event trauma, say, you know, you have a relatively stable childhood and you get into a bad car accident when you're 20 years old or have a, a, a surgery, which, by the way, is, it qualifies as a trauma, and we can go into that later if you like, yes, or, or, or you experience something else um, as an adult, you, can, you, can, you have a sense of what life was like before the trauma um, but if you have ch- childhood trauma or you know, you're growing up in a situation that's chronically stressed or, um, or chaotic or violent, you don't have a sense of what life was like before. So many people have, you know, we have these adaptive, brilliant, ad- brilliantly adaptive minds that can find ways of going on in the face of incredible um, uh, uh, adversity. We, we, we have the capacity to adapt. Right. And... and- I think it, I think I saw this on your site um, for loveandtrauma.com, and that is the earlier, the more familial, and the more chronic the stress or trauma was in a person's life, the more they will be affected by it as an adult, and the less they will be able to recall any specific events that may have created it. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, and, Judith Herman, who... Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Please go No, ahead. no, that's fine. No. That was my okay. thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no. Well, uh, Judith Herman, who's an um, author in the field, um, she has a, a, a very a, sort of a nice pivotal text called um, Trauma and Recovery. Um, she argues that we should qualify um, early childhood developmental trauma as something of a different sort, um, simply because it is that's the that's the material that's much more difficult to work with. It's much more chronic. Um, they, these are the people that will end up in psychotherapy as opposed to the people who have single event traumas later in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Judith uh, Herman argues that we should refer to that as complex PTSD as opposed to just you know, regular PTSD. Right, right. I, I think it it probably is, a, a, if you will, a different animal in that sense, and and a component of that pe- being people just don't know. If I say to people, "Were you traumatized?" They'll say, "No," mm-hmm. you know. But when we begin to speak about the specifics, which may have been, well, was there a divorce in the family? Were there did somebody drink too much? Those kinds of things. It's like, well, yeah, 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 and and so forth. And so then they begin to put together the picture of of uh, trauma. Yeah. You know, um, Linda, I think a, a, a really nice text that I, I recommend to a lot of my patients is um, The Drama of the Gifted Child, which uh-huh. is yeah. um, it's sort of a pivotal text in the, in the field of psychology. But right. I think one of the nice, and the reason I'm bringing it up now is because it, it, it serves the function of um, getting past adult rationalizations mm-hmm. of of what happened to us in childhood. I mean, I think the, the fact is that we are so much more fragile as, as we're incredibly resilient and at the same time we're incredibly fragile and sensitive beings when, especially when we're little. Um, right. And things that, 
you know, we we have this idea that, you know, just dust it off and, and, and go on, um, I think really do affect us. Right, absolutely, and especially in the the um, the mental constructs and systems that are operating in a little one, those are meant to deal with problems that are age appropriate, and trauma is not usually age appropriate. It is not age appropriate. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, for perhaps any age, but right, especially right, childhood. Right. But right. there's, you know, as an adult, you have you can wrap your mind around certain things, but as a child, you cannot. Right. You know, so right. it, it sometimes is even more challenging. I think for yeah. that reason. Um, exactly. It, it's, your world is forming as a child. Your nervous system is forming. It's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, the, when, when we're born, the, the brain, the nervous system is uh, unformed, and it's, that's, uh, that's by design. And the idea is that it, it becomes formed by our environment. And if our environment is one that involves chaos or um, a lot of stress, then that is the sort of the, the conditions under which our, you know our biology gets um, formed. Right, and I think that's you know that the idea of what's happening in our nervous system and what's happening, especially in that autonomic nervous system, um, is critical in your work, if I'm not mistaken. It is. Yeah. It yeah. is. That's the mm-hmm. area we focus on, and I think that's the area that the field is moving towards more and uh-huh. more. Um, Bessel van der Kolk, who maybe your, uh, your listeners may be familiar with, but he's sort of one of the, you know, the the cornerstone, the uh-huh. the key mm-hmm. researchers in the field, and uh, mm-hmm. he just put out a new book, uh, and in it he's, he's really sort of focusing on the role of the body in mm-hmm. in stress and trauma. Um, and the idea here is that, so I'm going to use a term here that um, I think will become more and more popular. But the idea is that we we're, we have to look up look at bottom up functioning as opposed to top down um, functioning. Mm-hmm. That's um, I think that's a great way of looking at it. Maybe um, after we get back from from our break, we can talk a little bit more about that bottom up construct and and. Um, and figure out a little bit more how applicable that is. So we're going to get ready to take a short break here, and we'll be right back with Saj Rosvi from loveandtrauma.com. Are you happy with your financial life? Or are you like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again, hitting an inner set point? Perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again. Are your finances a source of peace or stress? Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? Sign up for Dr. Linda Sanicola's six-week Tapping into Wealth Coaching program by visiting drsanicola.com. This program is designed to help you break through your unconscious wealth set points and experience the true freedom, creativity, enthusiasm, and rewards you were meant to have. Get started today at drsanicola.com. That's drsanicola.com. Have you ever noticed that sometimes life just feels easier, especially when judgment of you or anyone else ceases to exist? What if you could function from that space all the time? What if gratitude is the key? Every time you are grateful for someone or something, a new universe opens up. 
What difference can you create in your life and the world from the energy, space, and consciousness of gratitude? Join us on Access Consciousness Presents Beyond Saying Thank You every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning in to the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit drsanicola.com. Again, that's drsanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everybody. My guest today is Saj Rosvi, and he is helping us understand more about the whole concept of trauma and healing from that trauma. So we were just talking about that concept of bottom-up instead of top-down. Saj, can you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure, Linda. Um, well, the, the idea is that, um, uh, that you know, there's there sort of uh, layering to our, our minds, Right, meaning that there's parts of our minds that are, are very much have the same sort of structure that fish have. There's parts of our minds that have the same sort of structure that reptiles have, and and so forth. You know, we we have the same structure that mammals have, and then we have these really distinctly human parts of our anatomy of our mind that can be uh, that involve thought and high level, you know, uh, cognition and consciousness. Um, the idea is that stress and trauma are a lower level function, um, which is to say, so here, here's an example, right? Let's say, um, you know, you're, you're, you're driving uh, in wintertime and, um, you know, you're listening to the radio and it's uh, snowy out and, you know, everything's, you're fine, you're relaxed. And uh, let's say you hit, hit a patch of ice, Right, and we all have this experience. Soon as soon as that happens, you know you you become hyper focused on the road. You grip the steering wheel. Your heart is thumping in your chest. You know, adrenaline just got released in your system, and this all happens in a fraction of a second. Right. Right. And so the idea here is that your autonomic nervous system detected a threat, and the threat mm-hmm. here is that you're losing control of the car, and it responds. Um, and it's not a choice. It's not your choice. It's not a conscious choice whether it's going to respond or not. It just turns on and takes control. And and this happens. You know, we can we can pick any um, uh, threat situation, even just walking down the street and tripping. Right. In that mm-hmm. case, the threat is that you're gonna you're gonna wipe out. And in that, the same thing happens when you trip. Your autonomic nervous system gets into gear to balance you. It, you know, moves your muscles. It tightens things, and 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 it again, it it does a miraculous job at you know keeping you safe and alive. Right. And I and, think that most oh, people are familiar with what is typically referred to as fight or flight. Yes. Mm-hmm. In response to a stressor, or, or as you say, a threat, and and that's really what you're talking about. 
Exactly, exactly. So fight or flight is a, an appropriate response if you're in danger. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we see here is that, you know, we, if, uh, if your listeners are interested, if they go to loveandtrauma.com on the, on the homepage, there's a 30-minute video that we put out of um, sort of mapping the autonomic nervous system. And I, I should give credit where credit is due. We, uh, a, a, a lot of the research that comes from that is from Peter Levine's doctoral dissertation um, that he did in 1979. And so we, we took that and, and put, put that into a two-dimensional map. And, and so um, that goes into much more detail than I can go into here. But basically there are predictable sort of stages of responses that our nervous system has to dealing with threat. And, and initially there's, um, you know, we're calm and relaxed when there's no threat. There's mild stress when threat is around, but it's not, it's not imminent, meaning that, you know, we, we don't have to respond to it immediately. It's like mm-hmm. when, you know, zebras are grazing and mm-hmm. uh, there's a lion stalking them and the, a lion could stalk them for hours. So the idea is that as animals, we have to be in a, um, a, a posture being ready. Mm-hmm. And then there's high stress, which is, um, you know, when, uh, when we're uh, under direct assault, when we're under direct mm-hmm. threat and our nervous system moves into uh, maximum performance, maximum fight mm-hmm. or flight. Um, and again, to try and protect us, obviously. Exactly, right? exactly. And mm-hmm. um, in that, that state in particular, when people are processing that state, it looks like a panic attack. Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. uh, mild stress looks like anxiety. Um, high stress looks like a panic attack, mm-hmm. and as well it should if, you, right. you know, if you're being assaulted. And then... Um, and then the flip side of the coin, which is the uh, the, the parasympathetic nervous system, is um, uh, are the more dissociative responses, meaning depression, heaviness, uh, hopelessness. Those are responses that our nervous system have to threats that were so overwhelming that we we couldn't even sort of um, try and begin to fight our way out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, there's uh, there's a state. The final state of trauma involves. Um, uh, blanking out, meaning mm. uh, the numbing responses. Um, kind of you know, just the, the, a collapse? Exactly, you know? exactly. Okay. Um, so, and w- w- we call sort of the anxiety side of that, uh, we refer to as hot symptoms, you know, the fight or mm-hmm. flight are right. sort of hot symptoms, and then the collapse and the um, the parasympathetic overwhelm side we refer to as cold symptoms. But they're both, you know, one... I would say is a response to stress and, and high stress, and we and I would say the other is a response to trauma involving dissociation. Mm-hmm. And usually, at least in my experience, what what pushes people or drives people into therapy is when they get those hot symptoms that seem no longer relevant. You know, yes, they're, they're um, no longer being attacked or being threatened, but uh, as you've talked about, those memories are stored, and they come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we definitely store memories, and and that's the the core of the ACE study, which is to say, you know, things that happened to us thirty, forty, fifty years ago are still impacting our nervous system and our bodies and our mental health today. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, how are those stored? How are uh, those? Uh, well, great question, um, because memory is actually a, a part of um, sort of our area that we focus on in terms of. Um, because, I mean, if you think about it, if we don't have a way of storing uh, memory of trauma, then, then we wouldn't have the residue of trauma. You wouldn't have 
you, people wouldn't be traumatized because right. the event would be over and we wouldn't be responding to it still. Mm-hmm. Um, and there wouldn't even be like if there's a positive, like if you you know if you were traumatized by something, there there was a real threat. You were able to save yourself from that threat. You'd want to be able in a healthy way to recognize that threat again, so you could get away. Yes. So there's yes. a positive side to that, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, there's. I mean, so I, I guess I mean to to break it down very. Um, you know, there's there's different types of memory that that the mind uses to store information, and the one that we're most familiar with is what's called declarative or semantic memory, meaning that it's you know the. Um, it's the story of a, mm-hmm. of, a, of something that we tell. It's uh, uh, you know our abstracted. In, uh, like if 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 you ask me how fast does light travel, I could tell you not because mm-hmm. I have any experience with it, but I I read it in a book, right? So that's right. declarative memory. Um, so the the memory system in particular that trauma uses it's what is what's called episodic or event memory, and mm-hmm. I think the the best way for um, your listeners to maybe grok what that's about is, you know, I, if I ask them, you know, where they were on nine eleven, mm-hmm. and 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 most people I think can can say, oh, I was. I was at work, or I was here, or I was in the car, or I was asleep, and my roommate opened the door and you know told right. me about it or something. So, and most people have a memory of the details of when they found out about it. Um, I, can, I can tell you that um, you know I was at work and a coworker came in, and I don't remember anything else from anybody else I worked from at that time, but I remember this one person. I, I even remember the color of the wall behind the television as we were watching it at wow. IBM, right? Wow. Yeah. And and so the idea is that when there's significantly um, threatening or even significantly positive events in our lives, the mind says, I'm going to take a snapshot of this because it's relevant, and, and it takes that memory and it, and it, um, it laminates it, basically. It, it keeps it from degrading. Mm-hmm. Um, and because, I mean, so think about it. You, you can recall things that happened back in 2001, but if I asked you, you know, what, what you had for breakfast a week ago today, mm-hmm. my guess is you, you yeah. probably can't re- <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you probably can't remember, and, uh, and there's a good reason for that. It's because breakfast wasn't threatening. Hopefully, breakfast wasn't right, threatening. Right, right, breakfast was not threatening. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, True. And so, so you know, in, in, in we we all have this as a culture around nine eleven because it was something we all experienced in some way. But individually, people have that for car accidents or aspects of their childhood or um, when they when they go to war. So the you know the the system is capturing these memories and laminating them and keeping them sort of frozen outside of time in case the threat reoccurs. Mm-hmm. I like what you just said about frozen outside of time because I think yeah. sometimes that's it's difficult for people to grasp, but there are certain parts of the mind that do not tell time. Yeah. And they an do important... not know the difference between two minutes ago and 20 years ago. Exactly. And, exactly. and sometimes uh, in the treatment process, that's the part of the mind we need to talk to. That's exactly it, and that's why it's sort of a bottom-up function. We're not talking to the rational capacity in mm-hmm. people that knows that they're not in danger. Of course, mm-hmm. that, you know people people know that, but that's not what the nervous system is responding to. The, right. the nervous system right. is responding to these memories that exist outside of time and thinks that it, the the situation is still going on. 
Right, because those memories kind of take over in a way, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's Mm -hmm. this response that maybe the person does not want, but it is, it it feels automatic. Yeah. And it just takes over and it's like, okay, what do I do now? You know, Linda, an image that I tend to use when when teaching about this is, um, you know, consider on the one hand you have present moment reality, you know, your Mm -hmm. world that's going on right now. And then on the other hand, you have that sort of that layer of event memory. Think about it like a like a film negative that you're laying on top of of present moment reality. And so. Uh So sometimes you you see present moment reality and sometimes you see the event memory reality. And the idea is that the more trauma there is, the more... um the more charged uh, events that people have in their system, the less they see present moment reality and the more they see event memory. Yeah, that's perfect. That's a perfect way of of, uh, describing that and uh, helping people get to uh, an understanding of the difference between those two. Um, It's about time for us to take another short break. And uh, we'll be right back with my guest, Saj Razvi, who is helping us understand trauma and trauma recovery. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune in to Absurd Psychology, Straight Answers Without All the Bull, hosted by Dr. Gary Bell. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions, some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, on Voice America Empowerment. Are you happy with your financial life? Or are you like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again, hitting an inner set point? Perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again. Are your finances a source of peace or stress? Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? Sign up for Dr. Linda Sanicola's six-week Tapping into Wealth Coaching program by visiting drsanicola.com. This program is designed to help you break through your unconscious wealth set points and experience the true freedom, creativity, enthusiasm, and rewards you were meant to have. Get started today at drsanicola.com. That's drsanicola.com. Are you living your dream yet? If not, then why not? Everyone has a greatness inside of them to achieve what they deserve in their lives. But how do you find the motivation to get started? Tune in to Your Authentic Life with host Susan Cranston. Susan's advice, along with expert guests, will help you improve your relationships, start or change your career, and achieve the seemingly unattainable goal. Listen live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit drsanicola.com. 
Again, that's drsanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back again. My guest today from loveandtrauma.com is Saj Rasvi, and he's helping us understand a much deeper and broader picture of trauma and the results of trauma and also recovery from trauma and stress. So let's continue with our conversation. And um, um, did we did we finish up on event memory and helping people understand that? Do you think that's a... An yeah, that, that seems... Yeah. It's a complex process, and I think sometimes it's hard to grasp some of like, what? It's stored where? <laughs> you know? Yeah. But people, yeah. people do know what they feel. So I think that's what makes the difference. They know what they feel. Yeah, um, yeah. And Linda, I, I would just have to agree with you. I mean, tra- human beings are complex, and mm-hmm. trauma is complex. And, mm-hmm. and so... You know, I mean, we're learning a lot more about it. The more we learn about the brain, um, the more um, we're getting better and better information right now. Right, right. And, you know, I'm not sure if I got this from your website or from um, a, a training program that you did. But one of the things that I thought was really useful in helping people understand trauma is that it is always a violation of no Yes. Okay. So, um, yeah. yeah, this gets into a, so we, the, the, the modality that we work in, it's called trauma recovery protocol. And the idea is that there are stages of working with trauma. There are phases of the work with trauma. And one particular phase is working with um, sort of boundary responses, um, mm-hmm. because as you said, um, trauma is always a violation of a boundary. Um, you know, we're always pr- trying to prevent this thing from happening. And, you know, if, if it ends up being trauma, it means we failed at preventing right. it from happening. And so typically people who've had that experience, especially if they had that in childhood, they, they have a, uh, sort of the, that ability to draw boundaries atrophies over time, meaning that it failed mm-hmm. us once and it probably won't work again. And so people have this natural sort of um, shying away from trying to use that function. Mm-hmm. And, and so one of the phases of our model is to really build that up in people, you know, build up the ability to draw a boundary. And especially mm-hmm. when you're working with somebody with addiction. I mean, if somebody right. a newly recovered... Um, addict uh, will basically have to go back into their lives and say no and draw a boundary with many, many people, with, you know, the, right. their friends, the people they used with, their families, uh, you know. So so I, I would say the ability to draw a coherent boundary and an overt uh, boundary as opposed to the, the covert boundaries that we, we typically mm-hmm. draw um, is an essential skill that, that is required when, when people are healing from trauma. And then, mm-hmm. and I would say the flip side of the coin with that is what, what we call yes work, um, which is to mm-hmm. say, um, uh, you know, boundaries are essential for healing trauma. And I think the ability to trust, the ability to open, the ability to um, let in experiences and let in people is uh, essential for having uh, living a good life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it, there's, there's sort of both sides of that coin that get disturbed when people are traumatized that we have to sort of rebuild. Right. Is that why your website is called Love and Trauma? 
<laughs> you know, um, that's getting at it. Um, I, I think there, there absolutely is a strong relationship between love and trauma, which is to say there's a, a powerful relationship between the, the ways in which we feel loved, connected, grounded, uh, bonded with, the, with people, with ourselves, with uh, the world that we live in, and our ability to be resilient to trauma mm-hmm. in the first place, and certainly our ability to process it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to say, um, what prompted me to um, ask you if you would be so kind as to be a guest for me um, on the show was, I saw some of your training videos. And, you know, I've been doing psychotherapy for almost 30 years. I've seen all kinds of situations, you know, both in my office and, and when I've been in uh, a co-therapist elsewhere. Um, but I, I was so impressed by the relationship that you had established with um, your patients who were in the midst of this trauma recovery protocol because they were dealing with very, very difficult situations. And to allow themselves to be videotaped, obviously, I mean, that's stressful for most of us. Um, And to allow that and to, to... invite really the audience into the consulting room and to see and hear that process was was really amazing and I thought to myself you know there is something special going on here yeah I, I think there is um, but I, I don't think it's me <laughs> and mm-hmm. I don't think, you think it's, it's the process yeah I think it's the process and um, you know Linda I think I mean to, to break it down to its core um, I think what's happening here and is that we're, we're uncovering natural mechanisms that the body has for healing trauma. Um, and, and when people engage in that, so uh, let, let, me, let me put it this way. So, you know, when we overheat, mm-hmm. right, we sweat to cool ourselves down. There's a homeostatic mechanism there. When we right. eat too much sugar, the body releases insulin to sort of re-regulate sort of, you know, mm-hmm. our, our chemistry. And right. there are many, many homeostatic mechanisms that our body has for, for keeping us in a healthy state. And we're finding the same thing exists for, for stress and trauma, that when we become stressed and traumatized, the body has a way of, you know, bringing us back down to state zero, to, to a relaxed uh, position and releasing that stress and trauma. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I think when people contact that process, and, and, uh, it's, and again, it's a bottom-level process, meaning that mm-hmm. it's below the level of consciousness. It's sort of a letting go that people, can, uh, that people have to sort of learn to do uh, and, and trust sort of their, their body process, trust what's actually happening here. And, uh, and then, you know, their, their system knows how to do this. There, there is an innate healing mechanism at play here. Um, and it's, you know, been developed over millions of years of the, you know, of the mammalian nervous system developing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, I'm, I'm talking about this in response to your question because mm-hmm. I think there is an experience of trust that people have when, when they contact sort of this body process and it looks like this wave phenomenon of, mm-hmm. you know, becoming more activated, becoming more stressed, uh, and, and you're, you know, a person's system then finding its way out of, of that naturally. Um, right. And when people have that, I think they, they end in a place of, of deep trust with themselves. 
Right. And, and it's just, I think it's just was wonderful to see. I mean, you know, it, it, um, it's, it's great to see uh, the possibility for that could open up for so many people who really are suffering with that. And yeah. I, you know, I, I could go on forever about, uh, about, I have about a hundred more questions, but <laughs> I, wanna, I want to, um, to touch base on another project that you have as well. You're, you're doing an MDMA study. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, okay. Okay. So, um, well, the, the, it's an organization called MAPS, and it's a multidisciplinary association of uh, psychedelic science. Um, and um, uh, basically, they're, they're testing uh, MDMA, which is a street drug, uh, ecstasy, um, but oftentimes ecstasy doesn't, may not even have MDMA in it, but I, mm-hmm. I'm using that phrase only so your, your listeners will know what I'm referring right. to here. Everybody knows what that is, and when you okay. say it, you know, it's like, oh, what? That's what you're talking about? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And they were applying it for, for treatment-resistant PTSD. Right. These are people that are, you know, they're, for anybody's uh, caseload, these would be sort of very chronically traumatized uh, uh, patients. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is f- such fantastic news here with that, which is to say that the, um, so there's a, the, the current study is a phase two trial, and um, phase three is scheduled to come probably in, um, in a couple of years here. But uh, the phase one trial uh, and, and the results that we're seeing are, are phenomenal, right? And so mm-hmm. just to give people a, a, a little sense of what's going on, um, so currently there are only two medications that are approved for working with PTSD. One is uh, Zoloft and the other is Effexor, right? Mm-hmm. And um, in, the, uh, in the FDA trials for them, uh, there was a six... Uh, there, the measurement that's being used for this is called CAPS, which is it's a 136-point scale, and if you score above 50, you have clinical PTSD. Mm-hmm. And um, when when uh, Zoloft was approved for working with PTSD, it scored, it had a six-point improvement over placebo on the CAPS score, mm-hmm. and and so that's what it took to for the FDA to say, okay, this is we can use this medication for this. Which is we, pretty unusual, is it not? For the I'm FDA sorry? to take that's pretty unusual for the FDA to take that step, is it not? Uh, to approve medication for and, uh, for this kind of of this kind of medication for this kind of uh, treatment. You know? Oh yes, uh, yeah. you mean MDMA? Yeah. Yeah, or it any is very unusual. The, Maps has been sort of pushing for this since nineteen since the late eighties, right. um, and. Uh, it is unusual, but the but the science is trumping the politics of it, which is to say that we're regularly seeing uh, you know fifty, sixty, seventy point drops on the Whoa. cap scale compared to you know a six point drop for um, Zoloft, that's and that, that, that's two months after all treatment has ceased and all medication has ceased. Um, wow. Yes, it's huge. So I'm I'm saying that to say uh, you know there's really really good news on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for people who are suffering with trauma and, and combining sort of the, the MDMA process with somatic processing with, um, so let, let me be clear, you know, the way that 
it's, this is being used uh, therapeutically is nothing like how it's being used recreationally. Oh, of course, um, yeah. Of okay. Course. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Don't all run out there and try it, no. Don't all um, run a, out there and try it. This is a very it. specific um, thing. And um, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought because we need to go to another break here. And um, we'll be right back with this fascinating discussion of trauma and healing from trauma with Saj Rosvi. Experiencing loss or grief can be devastating. At some point, our soul compels us to embrace and embark on the journey to healing. But how do we begin? How do we move forward? Tune in to A Light for the Soul That Weeps with host Dayton Ann Williams. This program serves as your light, your forum, your passageway. Although healing is an inward journey, you are not alone. We can walk the path together. Join us every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. There are 13 unbreakable habits of truly enlightened people. These life-changing habits are discussed on Dream the Life, Live the Dream with Dr. Yomi Garnett. We'll offer an excursion in self-discovery, along with wisdom that will allow you to stay on the correct path toward your destiny. You can find excellence in your life. Tune in every Thursday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, that's 10 a.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for this exciting transformational journey. Are you happy with your financial life? Or are you, like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again, hitting an inner set point? Perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again. Are your finances a source of peace or stress? Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? Sign up for Dr. Linda Sanicola's six-week Tapping into Wealth Coaching program by visiting drsanicola.com. This program is designed to help you break through your unconscious wealth set points and experience the true freedom, creativity, enthusiasm, and rewards you were meant to have. Get started today at drsanicola.com. That's drsanicola.com. You are tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit drsanicola.com. Again, that's drsanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking with Saj Rosvi from loveandtrauma.com about stress, trauma, addictions, and how to heal from it all. So, um, you know, we were talking about the new work that's being done with MDMA trials and um, Saj's work with the trauma recovery protocol. And I think um, the idea that one of the things I, I want our listeners to understand, especially for people who have been suffering for a long time, is that there's hope. You know, I think that's the message. Would you agree with that, Sam? Yes, 
yes, Linda. Yeah. I mean, there there's a lot of hope. Um, uh, again, the you know the the type of results that we're seeing in um, uh, in the MDMA trials, uh, it's it's extraordinary. I've, I I can tell you that. So but, but I'll put it this way: the you know the mission of, that we have at the Love and Trauma Center is. You know the the most effective uh, uh, therapy techniques to the most people, uh, period. Right, mm-hmm. and um, when when the MDMA trials came were were showing up, and I was I was looking into it, I I just thought to myself, this is something I have to get involved with simply because it seems so effective, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and you know so the the somatic model that we have, I think it, it's it's pretty effective, um, mm-hmm. and you know. Uh, what the the types of things that would cause people to be in therapy for ten, twenty years are right. I think things that we can handle in much shorter periods of time now. Um, especially with these sort of somatic bottom up approaches. And combining that with MDMA is the efficacy just goes through the roof. I mean, I'm talking about I mean, imagine the situation here where, you know, there's many countries on this planet that don't that right. you know have are war torn, have a lot of trauma and don't have resources or, you know, the therapeutic ability to work with that. And and I think right. MDMA will, when it becomes legalized, it will change that. Right. And I would, I would hope that, um, you know, our listeners, for the most part, um, have access to current treatment and, you know, but worldwide, people don't have access to come to your office or come to my office. As you mm-hmm. said, they're war-torn nations, they're nations with incredible trauma for people. And I'm assuming that there will be a training protocol made available to people. You don't need a PhD in 30 years of experience to to be able to learn this protocol. And so uh, more people will be trained and more people will be able to do the service delivery um, to really bring health and hope and healing to people who would not have been able to have access to that before. Is that, is that in the, on the pipeline? This is true. Um, I, I would say the current state of things is that, you know, because trauma is complex, that the level of uh, training, the level of resources, the level of sophistication that a therapist needs to effectively work with it, especially if we're talking about, you know, childhood uh, abuse, um, mm-hmm. is, is, you know, pretty substantial. Um, right. And when we're seeing that bar go down drastically. Um, so mm-hmm. currently, the, you know, the, the, because MDMA is not legalized and it's not legalized mm-hmm. in, in, as a medicine, that's the only way I'm, I'm referring to it, that it will be right, legalized ever. And, but um, so currently, our training we can we can train people to uh, work somatically over a period of four weekends. Um, okay. They won't be masters at it, but they'll mm-hmm. get the theory and they'll have a lot of practice at doing it. Uh-huh. Um, I I think that bar will just be reduced significantly in terms of you know the level of sophistication required by the therapist um, when MDMA does get released. Mm-hmm. So, yes, um, I think it'll. Yeah. Yeah, the, and that offers a lot of hope to people. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of hope. And um, you know, bef- before we go any further, I want to give you a chance to let my listeners know, please, Saj, where they can find you. How do they get a hold of you if they want to to reach out to you? Oh, certainly. Um, well, they can find us at our current website, which is uh, www.loveandtrauma.com. Dot com. It's all spelled out, and we have a lot of information on there. We we try to just you know we're trying to use the Google model here of putting out mm-hmm. as much information as people want, and um, 
And uh, so there's uh, sort of training videos there. There's videos of what processing looks like, um, th- that kind of thing. And uh, they're more than welcome to email me at Saj, uh, S-A-J, at loveandtrauma.com. And because um, in case people are um, interested maybe even in contacting you for treatment in your private practice, you're in Boulder, Colorado? I'm in Denver. You're in Denver. Okay. Yeah. Great. And, uh, um, and we're looking at expanding to Austin. Um, but uh, but our, our trainings are, are currently um, sort of uh, Colorado and uh, the West Coast and, and Texas right now. But we're looking at kind of expanding beyond that shortly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there a way for people to find practitioners? Are, are all your practitioners primarily in Colorado at this time? Uh, most of them are in, in the regions that I just described, and, okay. um, and they'll, they'll sort of grow. But if people want to find practitioners, there's a number of modalities that really do sort of, you know, have that bottom-up approach. I think the, the one that I would recommend people taking a look at most, if we're not, you know, if there's a not trauma recovery protocol, person available is um, Peter Levine's organization um, mm-hmm. because they, they sort of they work in in that area but there's certain pieces that that we put into place in terms of training that um, that uh, Peter's organization don't does not focus on um, like traumatic transference which is mm-hmm. a, a big topic in the world of, of healing trauma that mm-hmm. we haven't touched on <laughs> but, mm-hmm. okay but yeah. um, an- another just a, a quick moment if I may ask this question um, before we close. Uh, it's my understanding that the, in the field of addiction, in today's world, most people are looking at um, trauma being at the root of addictions. Is that your experience? Well, you know, it's a, it's a growing trend in the field. Um, okay. uh, it, that has certainly not been the case for for many years. Um, right. The idea is that the the addiction has to be treated before the trauma, and the problem with that is that oftentimes, you know, you you know, you won't get to recovery to mm-hmm. treat, to even begin to treat the trauma with many people. Um, right. So, but but you're right. The field is starting to to you know incorporate more trauma modalities or trauma uh, focus into uh, into their treatment. Um, I can tell you that Cedar at the University of Colorado Hospital here, uh, when they um, uh, my, one of my colleagues uh, was started to give everybody who who entered Cedar sort of uh, uh, an assessment called the TSI, the Trauma Symptom Inventory, and mm-hmm. that's not a test that most of these um, addiction treatment centers give to people. And we found that 70% of the people walking through the doors of inpatient addiction treatment had a very significant trauma history. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, this is fascinating material, and and I wish I could talk to you for hours, Saj. I (laughs) I do want to thank you so much for making time for us today. I really appreciate it. And thanks again. Great. Thank you, Linda. You're welcome. And, you know, I have a um, a quote that I like to close with. And today I'm going to close with a few words from Martin Luther King, who said, Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. See you all next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola can be heard each Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hope to have you join us again next week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.